what I've found out from representing some buyers recently and getting feedback from the seller's agents. So the big question is, what are top agents doing to absolutely crush it in real estate, grow their teams and add more transactions year over year while so many struggle? To get the answers, we interview top real estate agents to learn their secrets to success. Listen, we believe every agent should make a minimum of $100,000 per year and we're on a mission to make this happen. We've already helped over 100 agents achieve this with our coaching. So if you want to fast track your business growth, get to your first $100,000 in GCI or add another $100,000 in GCI using social strategies, then head over to go.eliteagentsecrets.com or you can just click the link in the description below. Also, just make sure to follow us. Hit that subscribe button and if you get any value from this at all, please tell a friend and leave us a review. My name is Andrew Dunn. And my name is Peter Michael. Welcome to Elite Agent Secrets. Hey everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Elite Agent Secrets show. Today, we've got Stephanie Boyd with us, who's a second generation real estate entrepreneur, badass, who helps agents gain the edge in the competitive market and has an extensive background in mortgage, lending, and brokerage. Today, we are going to be discussing how you can be competitive, get more buyers under contract in a competitive market, boost your clients' credit scores, and turn renters into buyers. She's going to be dropping value from her years of experience, so you'll want to stay tuned for this whole episode. Stephanie, thank you for jumping on the show with us today. How are you doing? Great. Thank you so much for having me, guys. It's great to be here with you today. Today, today's going to be a fun one. I mean, your background alone is very different than most of our guests um, because you have the lending background. But before we dive into that, take us back to day one. What came first, real estate or mortgages? Like, how did you get involved in this industry? How did you get started? Um, to give right. the audience well, a little bit of a perspective. Let me take you way back to 1990 when I became a teenage mom. So, um, (laughs) at 16, I graduated high school, went to college at my local community college and started working on a degree in criminal justice. So, um, my very first grown up job was as a criminal investigator and I was the youngest criminal investigator in Sacramento County at the age of 21. Um, so I, when most of my peers were still in college, I was out investigating felonies and I had two kids by then and my family had a real estate brokerage that was just starting out. So, um, I stayed with the public defender for about five years and then I got tired of all of the raping and robbing and murdering and all that badness. And I got my real estate license in 2000 and joined the family company. Um, So at that time, it was the wild, wild west in um, mortgage lending. There was no such thing as NMLS. There was no Dodd-Frank. There was no financial collapse. There was just a real estate license. And if you had an inclination that you wanted to learn how to do mortgage loans, then by all means, go right ahead. So um, that's what my mom did. She uh, partnered up with a title company and she has this story where her and the title agent um, were both starting out and they actually worked together for like close to 40 years in the industry. Um, This relationship went on. And at the beginning, uh, they, they both were kind of like, 
neither one of them had any idea what they were doing and they're both like faking it until they were making it. And so each one, you know, as a few years went by, they both confessed to each other that neither one of them had any idea what they were doing at the beginning. Um, and they just figured it out as they went along as a couple of badass women in business tend to do. And, uh, yeah. Um, Take they, me back. I'd quite like to go back to that time. That sounds pretty good. It was, was great. That um, seemed like a wild, wild west, though. Yeah, I it? always wanted to go back to like 06 even or 05 just to see what it was like. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was crazy. I mean, we just had these um, lender reps with gold chains coming into our office uh, with their shirts half open and their gold Mercedes in our driveway and our parking lot, you know, and they're like, Hey, chicky baby, let's do some loans. And, you know, I mean, they were just, yeah, they were, uh, it was, it was crazy. There was not a lot of rules against, um, you know, giving each other presents and there was, um, now they focus a lot on not giving people kickbacks and things like that. Um, they were just coming in and saying, Hey, sell this option arm. They, all your buyer needs to know is they can make a minimum payment and they barely have to pay anything to live in this house. Uh, they don't need to prove that they have a job. All they need to prove is that they managed to somehow have a 720 credit score and, uh, we can approve them for whatever they say they want to buy. Sound good? Sounds great. And that sounds can- like an absolute dream. I'm not going <laughs> to lie, especially in today's market. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and not only that, you don't have to disclose what you're charging them. You can get points on the back end, points on the front end, just stuff it full of points wherever they fit in. And Uh, You know, if you're so now you're a real estate agent and a loan officer and you're representing the buyer and the seller on both sides of this deal because it's just a frantic feeding frenzy and you're making double ends on the loan, too, from the front and the back and the side to side. And um, yeah, it was a debacle. It was a good time to get rich. That's what you're talking Um, (laughs) about. Yeah, good time to go to jail, too. Yeah, I mean, really, not enough people went to jail for that. Like, there there were people, like, I saw, I started to understand what was going on. And coming from my background in criminal justice, I was like, huh, this this doesn't, something doesn't seem right. But, like, surely the grownups are in charge here, and they're not going to let this thing go completely sideways Um, but what really made me step back from it was, um, my marketing strategy has always been referral based. And so at that time we were part of this, um, marketing cult, I like to call them. Um, and that was the whole focus is throwing parties, have your friends come over, friends and family, friends and family by referral only. Um, don't ever advertise, just schmooze the people in your sphere of influence. And so when I started to see what was inevitable, I couldn't participate with my friends and family that way anymore in that market. So I I eventually watched a lot of people lose all their investment properties. I mean, everybody had multiple houses, multiple, everybody, I mean, not everybody lost it all, but so many people did. And I mean, so many people lost their retirements over it, their teachers' pensions and just whatever was invested into that 
garbage. Um, it's yeah. I, Scary times, it, isn't it? Because it was just, yeah. it was, it was every. They were there was the lenders, uh, whatnot, and uh, the agents making all the money. Everyone else was just ignorant to what the fuck was going on. The same thing in 08, right? It was like, yeah, you've got seventeen houses because we'll give you them for free, basically. And they were like, this is great. And then it was obviously we know what yeah. happened in 08. Um, well, it was all of that which led up to what happened in yeah. 08. You know, I it's mean, just, and those products didn't come along at the beginning. They started coming along, you know maybe 03, 04, 05, they started getting looser and looser and like more and more creative. And uh, if you watch the big short, that's a really interesting um, little breakdown and it shows you exactly what they were doing. And it um, does tend to indicate that it was all premeditated. So um, yeah, those that's same- That's your start. <laughs> that was how you got into this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Really? Needless to say, um, I got my massage therapy license and went and relaxed for a few years after that. A number of people in our office um, completely ran away screaming and we just went to massage school and we thought that it would be nice to be relaxed instead of doing that other stuff. <laughs> there was a huge exodus, wasn't there? I suppose after our way yeah. with the mortgage, they just literally bulldozed the whole industry. I know a few really yeah. big players um, and they've been doing it for decades and they were just like, dude, after 08, like they bulldozed the whole industry. The amount of frauds and just people who were just like out there, they all got eviscerated for the most part. And he's like, and then it was like these solid companies. Um, yeah, I know the biggest team lead at cross country mortgage actually got, I think he's got hundred, 130 loan officers under him his team, massive guy. And yeah, been doing it for decades and it was just saying the same thing. I was chatting to him and it was just so, super interesting how the industry did change after that. And you, you yeah. were a part of that whole thing as in like you saw it all happening and then you saw the end and you saw the exodus. And now here we are today on, on this show and you've kind of figured some stuff out along the way. I think it's fair to say. And I Definitely. actually, you're the first person, which I'm kind of, which is interesting. We've at this point, we've had probably no 300 plus episodes, right? And this topic, your first topic, I'm actually excited to get into because this topic is something that has been so hot and somehow we haven't spoken about it like as a, as a, as a specific topic, which is how the hell basically you get buyers under contract in this competitive market and a multi-offer situation. Like, because it's just so damn challenging, right? Yeah. And I know a ton of our listeners, we have such a diverse set, you know, uh, of listeners in both age demographics and where they are in real estate. But this across the board is basically one of the biggest issues. It's like, yeah, yeah, we've got, we've got loads of buyers. We've got like, you know, we go and view 18 houses and we lose them all. You know, uh -huh. it's that type of thing over and over again. And even the big dogs that we know, and it's like, listen, I, I still don't win every deal. And they're doing like 300 homes a year. And you wouldn't expect them to win every one, but they've got a pretty good tool chest, right? To pull from after a few decades. So I'd love to dive into your first topic. So unpack your first secret to success, so to speak, which is how to get more buyers under contract in a competitive market. Well, I think luckily the market is somewhat starting to stabilize a little and slow down, um, at least in my area, you know, um, and I think probably across the board, um, the Fed rate hikes have contributed to um, everybody kind of 
stopping to reflect on the situation for a little yeah, bit, sure. um, you know, so, um, but yeah, I mean, it can really just be dehumanizing. Um, I've seen a lot of buyers give up um, and it's, you know, watched them with the rates going up, getting priced out of the market too. So um, luckily they're stabilizing a little bit. Um, so some of the things that have helped um, our buyers is having a fully underwritten loan approval from the very beginning. So um, the new real estate offer forms in my state of California updated recently where there's a little box on there and it says um, fully underwritten buyer or something to that effect. Um, so having a lender that can get your file fully underwritten ahead of time really answers a lot of the questions that the sellers have as far as, you know, is this loan going to fall apart, uh, et cetera. Um, and also doing that makes your loan close faster. So you can clamp down on those time periods. Um, so if you can write an offer that, you know, has a loan and it can close in 15 days instead of 30 days or 45 days, um, that's obviously going to be more attractive to a seller who would maybe be inclined to take a cash offer instead, which is going to have a shorter escrow period and less, um, questions and problems. Um, I mean, unfortunately, we're still seeing a lot of cash offers, um, a lot of buyers coming in with, you know, 50, 60, 70, 100,000 or more over the asking price. Um, it's definitely the past few weeks have been interesting as uh, the Fed just kind of keeps pushing the envelope a little bit like, uh, you know, it's definitely chilled out quite a bit over the past few weeks, I think. Um, so I'm really hopeful that we're going to start seeing some more inventory and that, um, you know, these sellers are going to get a little reality check um, from the buyers. You know, they're starting to see the property sitting there for a few more days, you know. Um, I was actually so looking at some places in California funnily enough on um was it it was on Zillow actually and you know they've got like the little site map where it tells you like house prices and like the zestimate they call it don't they right and it was interesting looking at some of their properties where they're seeing home values uh, according to Zillow what they think it should have been like 30 35 percent under in some areas of Cali now um like there was this property that the there was this one that I was specifically looking at it was 1.4 is what they thought it was, should have been listed at I think at the time it was listed at set in nine sixty, and it still hadn't sold, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's definitely becoming the, the interest rates. We discuss a fair amount, and it's the fact that basically the Fed have just had their thumb on it for what a couple of years at least, and people have been enjoying such low interest rates, and now it's going up. And seven percent still isn't that high, right? Like it's not like wild, but because it's been no. so low. That people have just been like, oh, that's a lot. And then now, like you said, it's gone from like a 1530 offer situation to maybe like a five offer situation, right? So we're seeing the same yeah. stuff. Yeah. And I mean, it's not the rates, it's the prices. You know, that rate is fine. Uh, my first house, I had a rate of seven and three quarters in 1997. Yeah. And that was fine because my house cost 117,000. But, um, you know, and in the, 
there are houses for that price in the country, which is why California is seeing a mass exodus into places like Florida, Georgia, um, you know, farther east, uh, closer, Nevada. I mean, we've spread out. California has spread upwards to, um, you know, past Seattle to northern Washington. Uh, you know, we're just pushing with our and then the pandemic with everyone working remotely and nobody really needing to tolerate these high prices if they didn't want to anymore. Um, so, yeah, when your rate's seven and a quarter or seven and three quarters and your house costs 800000 that hurts a little more than it did when your house only cost 100000 was your um, house 100,000 in California? Is it in, in 97, yeah. Wow. God, that And the is same crazy. house is now, you know, 650 or 700,000. So it's, it's, it's crazy to think of, um, you know, myself at that time as a first-time buyer and a young mom and everything. And now, you know, thinking of my kids, I've got a 32-year-old son who just bought a house and – uh you know, they got in on those low interest rates and the price wasn't so crazy. So, you know, they got in around 300,000. Um, but a lot of young couples are getting into an $800,000 mortgage and now they're going to have this five, six, 7% interest rate. And, uh, I mean, it was boggling my mind a few years ago when I realized that people were renting a two bedroom apartment in San Francisco for $4,500. And I mean, Jesus. now, uh, you know, the I don't know what the rent is in San Francisco in the worst neighborhood now this year, um, but it's... Uh, when I lived in um, New York, I always remember this. I just, I can't forget it. I was, it was a house share, and this was 2015, 2016, 2017, around that time. It was a double bedroom, honestly, but it was a house share. So it was just literally a room, and it was $2,550 a month in New York. And I just like, so fucking much money man so much money to rent a room <laughs> yeah at least just no different but to back onto the topic of like how you are going ahead and winning multi-offer situations because we've definitely got some strategies but i'd love to hear yours well i mean a lot of time frames is what helps um of course having a giant pile of cash helps um Foot massages, back massages, you know, uh, full service, um, you know. But I mean, a lot of it has to do with the relationships that you build over the years, really. Um, it's not like a secret that I keep in my pocket, but it's just a relationship with, you know, people in the industry, with your title companies, with your inspectors, so that you don't have to wait for a week for a home inspection. You know, you've got a guy that can come out tomorrow uh, and, you know, get your deposit back before those three days are up while you do still maintain a little bit of um, an inspection period. You know, a lot of people are waiving all the inspection periods, waiving the appraisal contingency, just waiving everything, timeframes, inspection, rent backs, you know, um, and, Honestly, a lot of people are just coming in. There's conglomerates with cash, these corporations. I'm sure you've heard of this Blackwater and these other groups coming around and buying up all the inventory. A lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of competition. So 
those are the things I've seen most successful as far as, you know, just a real strong approval, knowing that the loan isn't going to be a problem. Um, Gifts from mom and dad have come in handy where people um, are able to pull together, you know, a hundred thousand in cash so they can beat out some of those other offers and the timeframes being very flexible with the buyers, excuse me, sellers, um, giving them a rent back, you know, um, I was going to say one thing you said about relationships that I wanted to touch on just in case our listeners also missed it. When you said, you know, with title lending companies, contractors, you know, for home inspection and things. Also, are you um, talking about with the realtors on the other side, right? Like having solid relationships with them because something we've seen as well, and I'm wondering if this is something you are leveraging. It sounds like you are, but I just want to kind of bring some light to it if that's the case with regards like, Hey, I've got a good standing in my market and like being a good realtor and doing a good job consistently. I've leveraged that with other realtors. So they know I can be trusted to get this deal over the line if they give it to me, even if my offer isn't quite as good as the next. Is that things that you're leveraging too? Definitely. And it has a lot to do with networking and just being out in the community with, you know, your fellow realtors and going to the meetings and, you know, making the effort to be out there and, you know, being a good, positive example. Um, so, you know, if you've got five offers and one of the agents was not that pleasant to deal with last time, you might want to go with one that you've had good experiences with. So they, they didn't give sure. you a foot massage. That was what it was. It was like, they were yeah. great. Perfect off a no foot massage. <laughs> exactly. Sometimes you just have to go the extra mile and give that foot massage, even when it, you don't want to. <laughs> I love it. We'll add that to our roster, Peter. It's like, listen, foot massage, tick. <laughs> That's my biggest secret that I learned from... Oh, sorry. What's that? So we're going to add that under the additional terms <laughs> in the contract. Yeah, for sure. And that's what you'll get when you work with someone who is a former licensed massage therapist. There you go. You'll get a qualified foot massage along with that escrow. You know, I, I find it interesting because, I mean, we, we've had this kind of come up a few times and we've been obviously dealing with this as well, you know, multiple offers and trying to win. You know, like in our market, you know, it seems like if you're an FHA buyer, you're going to struggle. Doesn't matter what you wave, doesn't matter what you say, it doesn't matter what the reason is. Um, And we do, we have, you know, full blown out loan commitment slash approvals when we, when we come to the table. Otherwise it's, we're, we're wasting our time. We're wasting our buyer's time. We're wasting everybody's time. Right. If we're not if we're not prepared, if we don't do the due diligence before. Definitely. How do you deal with, you know, waiving of the inspections? Um, you <clears> know, <throat> how do you deal with so, some of those things? Because uh, I know th- th- those are a little bit gray areas where I would never recommend my client waive the inspection. But I do tell them all the possible ways that we can make our strong offers. Well, um, I resisted it for quite a while. Let me tell you, the waiving of the um, inspections, time periods, um, contingencies. So I would um, very much hesitate as well. Um, But what I've found out from representing some buyers recently and getting feedback from the seller's agents and what who was beating us out, uh, this 
buyers beating us out waived all their contingencies and they came in 40, 50, 70, 80,000 over the asking price. So, um, I mean, sometimes I, you can't compete with that, right? That's like way no, beyond the FHA, comfort zone, my comfort zone. Yeah, no, your FHA buyers certainly cannot um, compete with that. But who may be able to compete with that is your buyer who is a contractor, you know, or her, you know, the fam, the dad, the family is a contractor. So, um, one of my buyers has just worked really hard and saved and, uh, her dad's pretty handy and, um, he's going to come and fix whatever's wrong with the place, you know? So if we can get, we can go in there and waive the contingencies and get the home inspection, like as the second that we get our offer accepted, then, you know, we know before we even take the earnest money check down to title, if we're going to go ahead and get out of that or not, you know, let's, but let's say we're prepared to do $20,000 worth of pest repairs. Let's say we know that there's a few issues, um, but dad can do it for a quarter of the cost, then a contractor is going to cost you and he's going to come in and do it later. And everyone is, you know, going to be fine with that. So, you know, I wouldn't, I definitely resisted when my realtor partners would call me and tell me that it was, you know, they want to remove contingencies. Well, let's waive the loan contingency. Like, let's not, uh, let's protect the buyer's deposit. Um, you know, but if the truth is, if your loan is put all the way together and it's fully underwritten up front and you have no conditions, then you feel a lot more comfortable waiving the loan contingency. You know, you feel a lot more comfortable waiving the the inspection periods if you know that your inspector is going to come out the first day and, you know, you're going to be able to walk away. I mean, your buyer might lose a little bit of money on, you know, a pest inspection and a home inspection. Um, but yeah, and I, I like the idea of you waiving the inspection contingency, but you're still getting the inspection and you're using that three day earnest money, sort of like your, you know, like your, uh, inspection period. So if something exactly. does come back and just kind of hits you out of the left side, then you, at least you're prepared for it. Right. So you're doing a little, a little bit of that. Oh yeah, for sure. You're still going to definitely want to fully investigate the property, no matter whether you're, you know, time periods, waiving inspections, no matter what, um, you need to know what you're dealing with, but it's just that the buyers really have to have a much higher tolerance for what they're willing to deal with these days. So, you know, in the past we want a 17 day inspection period because we're going to get a home inspection and then we're going to come and we're going to tell the seller what we want them to fix. And, you know, now you tell the seller what you want them to fix. They just laugh at you. <laughs> so <laughs> the seller's not fixing anything. Um, it's just, you know, we want to hope and we want to make sure and protect our buyer and, you know, find out what the seller may not know about, what they may not be mentioning, and, you know, et cetera. So we'll, we'll just yeah, pick it, one of the other 13 offers. <laughs> exactly. Um but really, that is where, you know, if you do have a solid home inspector who can just come in right away and do it for you, um, then you can, you know, Leverage you can that. Kill a, yes, exactly. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, if you're interested in gaining access to our courses and coaching 100% free, then head over to go.eliteagentsecrets.com.